What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm Chase Quenninger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host. Hope everyone's enjoying this beautiful weather. And Best then, time of the year's here. It is. Well, I, personally, October's my favorite, but it feels like October, so yeah. I'll take it. It was and, cool this morning. It felt great. And then today's guest, Terry Brunges. Terry, Hello. What's your what's your job title? Uh, I'm the wild pig biologist for Kentucky Fish and Wildlife. The wild pig biologist. Yes. And now this is honestly a species I don't know very much about. And I have quite, so I kind of... You know, a lot of times with the department, I've, I've been able to get out in the field and work with people on projects, and so I kind of have some background. But you're one of the few biologists that I don't think I've ever been in the field with. Okay. And it's not because we haven't done things here at Kentucky Field with wild pigs. I just have never been on those shoots. So I know Terry as the kayaking, the whitewater rafting, you know, <laughs> all those things. I see her bring the, the kayak to work. It's a little different. Typically, when I see kayaks coming in, I'm like, okay, it's time to go fish elkhorn. Mm-hmm. But when I see Terry bring hers in, it's... Uh, it, Elkhorns uh, in the trees. Oh yeah, it's a couple <laughs> couple days out, a couple days out from fishing. From fishing, so. that's for sure. No, but um, so you work with wild pigs here in the state, right? Yes. So, you know, when I was getting ready for this podcast the other day, I was thinking, what do we need to try to talk about with wild pigs? And I just think that they're a pretty fascinating animal. They they really are. And that's kind of what makes them so bad. Yes, they and, they are the perfect invasive species. So I have just a list of questions here. I was hoping you could give me some info on, and it starts at the 10,000-foot view. So what are they, and where did they come from? Okay, well, wild pigs um, are generally an invasive species across the U.S., okay. North America, um, Canada, Mexico. They they came they came from overseas. Uh, 1500s explorers brought them in uh, as a food source um, and allowed them to free range basically and just didn't collect all of them off the landscape Mm -hmm. Um, they became a very um, very popular to hunt in southern states Mm -hmm. and yeah they're very popular to hunt hunting them is fun they're the smartest animal in the woods so it's challenging um, and, and it gives hunters, you know, an, an extra opportunity, or so they thought. Um, so they thought yeah. Wild pigs in North America are generally a hybrid between Eurasian wild boar and domestic pigs. All pigs are the same species, so they can all interbreed. Uh, they're just like different varieties, like our different dog breeds. So it's just like a, you know, a dog. Well, you know, we don't have a whole lot of crossbreeding between coyotes and domestics, but. It's physically possible, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like that. Nah, kinda, yeah. It, it's uh, it's more like uh, a subspecies, you you know, uh, rather than different, totally different species. Okay. But, but um, yeah, they can interbreed, and uh, the the Eurasian wild boar ancestry gives them their high intelligence, and the domestic pig genetics gives them the ability to produce a lot more piglets because we bred our domestic pigs to produce as many piglets as possible. You know, that was one of my later questions, but it, pigs to me seem strange. And one of the reasons they're such a big problem is because of how they reproduce, right? Yes. Now, to me, large animals, and I consider pigs to be a large animal. They how, are. How big, how big are they? Um, generally speaking, they get to be about 100 to 150 pounds uh, yeah. at maturity, but they can get much bigger. So that, uh, that's a big animal. Yeah, and a lot of times the domestic genetics do do help that pig get a lot bigger, 250, 300. It would be the fourth biggest animal in the state, I'd say. Elk, bear, deer, and then pig would be mm-hmm. number four, right? But the thing that's strange to me about how they reproduce is that all those other animals I just mentioned, bear reproduce every two years. Elk once a year, a deer once a year, right? But the pigs, even though they're a large animal, they reproduce like rabbits, you yeah. know, or a rodent species yeah. almost, where they have as many as they can just pushing out. So I think I've heard this before, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but at six months of age, they're sexually mature, so they can start reproducing. Yes. Uh, generally speaking, about 20% of our six-month-old piglets uh, are going to get pregnant and have a litter, uh, but they can have two litters a year. Okay. And they have, on average in Kentucky, three to eight piglets per litter. Okay. Uh, so, so they can, they, they expand very quickly. So if we look at a white-tailed deer, for instance, a white-tailed deer can can or cannot, you know, um, be bred the first year of life. We'll just say 50% or so of them yeah. are. And then the next year they're going to have maybe two, you know, and that's about average. So you're looking at two offspring a year per doe. 
But with a pig, you're looking at they're breeding every six months and having a litter of eight to 12 is what you're saying? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, a little bit less than that usually, but they can have up to 12. Yeah. So let's just say 10. Yeah, and I would say that. 10 twice a year. Yeah. And they can reproduce at six months. So you got this white-tailed doe. She's going to have two offspring a year. This pig is going to have 10 twice a year. And by the time that year's over... The, let's just say that half of that first 10 they had were female. Some of those are already reproducing. It's exactly. like it's exponential. It's like this pyramid that just blows up out of control. You know, the way that they reproduce compared to other animals. And that's one of the most fascinating things about them is that they, they reproduce like a rodent species. Exactly. And they're the size of a white-tailed deer. Mm-hmm. And they can live anywhere and they can eat anything. And kind they're coyote yeah, in that sense. Exactly. And they're smarter. They're the smartest animal in the woods. And one of the things that you wanted me to touch on was when you hunt them, all that does is make them smarter, and you're going to get off two more litters, basically, if you scatter those animals yeah. that you had. I definitely yeah. want to get to that. They're, they're, you know, that just screws everything up. Mm-hmm. Well, what's their impact on, on the environment? Like the landscape, other animals, what do they, if they're in an area, what do they do to that area? Okay. Uh, that's a really good question. They're very destructive. They uh, destroy crops, so mm-hmm. our farmers really suffer from crop destruction. They destroy forests. They uh, root up tree seedlings. They eat all the acorns out competing native wildlife for food, especially in the fall. Deer and turkey will um, not be able to access those acorns. It's a very important food source, and they'll leave the area. They but hog all the acorns. They hog all the acorns in the fall. She said that the yes. They prey on a lot of species. They'll eat anything they can get in their mouth. So a lot of times um, they eat a lot of vegetation and they eat a lot of earthworms. However, we have a lot of species that are declining, especially our amphibian species. Mm-hmm. And they, they are really hard because they live in wetland areas. They prefer wetland riparian areas. They come into contact with a lot of amphibians. So they eat a lot of frogs, a lot of salamanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, They prey on ground-nesting birds, so they'll eat the eggs. Yep, they'll eat the chicks, a quail, turkey, any grassland songbird. Um, They'll eat anything, huh? They'll eat anything. There was a, you know, this is kind of way off topic, but I remember, like, there's an old-timer saying that to dispose of a a body, you just put it in (laughs) there with some pigs, and it's gone, and and they'll eat the bones and everything. Yeah, that's it. You ever heard that? Yeah, I have. Yes. you believe it? I like some old southern, you know, mafia-type stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I tend to believe it. Well, they eat bones. I think so. Because of the marrow that yeah. could be inside? Yeah. Oh, man. Anything they can get in their, the, ma- their well, mouth? Well, they eat like shoes. I've heard them like eating shoes or clothing or so. Is that true? I would say if like they had to, um, probably. I'm not real sure about that, but it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all. Or the, they, go ahead, Lee. One of the things I saw, too, on the, the APHIS website and the, the National Feral, we'll get into that, the Feral Swine Management Damage Program, was it looked like a Civil War battlefield. It was a, there was a statue and there were cannons and all around it. it was either Revolutionary War or Civil War. They didn't put a cut line on it, but where pigs had wallowed and it just tore the fire out of this beautiful, pristine public land. It yes. looked like somebody plowed it. Yes, yeah. um, they, they've done a lot of damage to cemeteries and, like you said, uh, national lands. Um, I, went to, um, I went to Tennessee and rode around Cades Cove and uh, they had damaged all kinds of the property around the log cabins. They, they, they have a huge problem there, and so the rooting was everywhere. I think but, in one of the first videos that we did here, um, we interviewed a farmer. It was a, it was a video where we, we were with you, and we were with somebody from the USDA, but as part of that, we also interviewed some farmers. Yes. And one of the farmers said that in one night, so you know his crops were fine, and then he went to bed, and he woke up the next morning, and they had taken out, I think, like six acres. Yeah, I mean, almost overnight. overnight. And six acres is a lot. a lot. That's a lot of crops, yeah. and that's a lot of money. If you're looking at what farmers pay to to lease land or own land and then to, to you know work that land and, and seed it, and I mean, there's a lot of resources tied up in six acres. Yeah, so. that farmer had to quit planting corn on some of his area because the pigs were so bad. Yeah. And uh, now we have been able to help him. We've dramatically reduced that population to almost nothing and he's able to plant corn now Good. Uh, so yeah he's very happy but um he lost a lot of corn I wonder and how- you know one sounder one one group of 20 pigs took yeah. out that 
field in one night. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They yeah. ate, just ate everything? They ate, ate and trampled everything. I definitely want to circle back to, you know, how we've taken care of some of those issues how, or how us and partners have, have kind of alleviated that issue in some areas. Because I think, I think that's important, too. And we're still working on that. Yes. And I think from what I've heard, we've made headway. But I still want to try to understand what the species is, you know, as a whole. So are they dangerous or harmful to pets, livestock, people? Do they ever attack people or the disease issues or anything like that? There are definitely disease issues. They carry 45 diseases and parasites, some of which can be uh, transmitted to humans, pets, and livestock. Uh, Swan brucellosis and pseudorabies is in our Kentucky populations. Low Mm -hmm. levels, but it's there. Mm -hmm. Humans can contract swine brucellosis. Uh, They carry leptospirosis. They even carry hepatitis. Um, several parasites so the diseases are there and now people do eat them and if you cook them to 170 you're good but if you don't i mean you you know mainly the main problem is when you're uh, processing that animal wear gloves um but diseases are they they are they are a wild animal so uh generally speaking uh pigs run from humans uh they they see and hear us before we see or hear them so they generally generally leave the area they have an incredible sense of smell so generally you're not going to see them you may hear them but they're going to take off uh if cornered they're a wild animal and they are very aggressive so um i haven't had any reports of them uh, attacking people uh-huh. uh i think you know, two people over the history have been killed by wild pigs, but it was in a situation where they were hunting with is that dogs. In and Kentucky, or is that no? Nationwide? That's in that's um, worldwide. Okay, pretty sure it's only two. Uh, but that was a situation where the animal was injured and cornered and was fighting for its life. So if you were so, squirrel hunting and you had your little mountain feist out there and it was running two or three hundred yards up in front of you and it came up on some pigs, do you think the pigs would? potentially be aggressive towards a dog like that they're gonna they're gonna run okay uh if cornered yes they're gonna be aggressive because you know that that dog really doesn't stand a chance yeah uh if if they want to be but generally speaking the times that i get reports of pigs chasing people are always pot-bellied pigs that have been dumped because mm-hmm. they get too big and people can't take care of them they dump them the Potbelly sees a human and says oh there's my source of food and i'm hungry i've been dumped Mm. And they will uh, run right up to somebody and pee. They, they do look wild and mm-hmm. they do look scary. So I get a lot of calls on a wild pig is chasing me. And then when I get a picture, it's usually a pot bellied. Oh, yeah. I sent you a picture last year. Yeah. Uh, one of my, <laughs> my buddies who's a sheriff's deputy, I'm not going to say where, but he got a call that there was wild pigs. And he's a hunter. He knows kind of what's going on. So he went out there and he saw his pig and he shot it and I sent the picture to Terry and I said can you confirm what this is I was thinking maybe that there was an issue that needed to be brought to Terry's pension she said oh that's a pot belly so it was just somebody's pig the result of the pet trade correct yeah and you know those are issues pot bellies tear up crops they destroy yards and and they aren't afraid of humans because they they live with us and live on farms so so they they definitely cause some damage now how do wild pigs operate in terms of you know, I hear about individuals. I hear about groups. You talked about a group of 20 earlier destroying that, yeah. that farmer's field overnight. So in a, generally speaking, how do these pigs operate? Like family groups as individuals? Uh, you know, we know they start reproducing potentially when they're six months old. So is that kind of the kick out and go out on your own date? Or how does that work? Yeah. Um, so gr- uh, pigs live in groups called sounders. And that sounder is all the related females and their young. So moms, sisters, aunts, cousins, grandmothers, they all live together. Uh, The males are generally solitary. They leave the sounder about 12 to 18 months old, and they often all leave together. All the boys leave together in a juvenile group, Mm -hmm. and over over a little while of time, months or a year, they'll separate and go go single. So, yeah, generally the males live by themselves, roaming around the landscape looking for females, and the females live in a family group. And let's just say, so we've talked about these wild pigs in the wild. Then we also talk about potbelly pigs and people's domestic pigs that are free-ranging. Now, how do those two things work together? So if we have potbelly pigs on this farm and the farmer leaves his gate open or they get out, now they're on the landscape and they come across a group of feral pigs, which is, is that the correct term for Yes, them? feral, feral or wild pigs. Wild we pigs. call them everything. So if we got a potbelly pig and it's roaming around and it bumps into a sounder, 
Uh, what? How does that interaction that, work? That could be a problem because they could interbreed, and then we, we've got more pigs on the landscape. So um, we, we have had some issues with wild pigs being attracted to female domestic pigs mm-hmm. showing up, trying to get in a pen. So that, that's a problem. We have had problems where uh, someone people allow their pigs to free range and don't, don't have a fence or don't have proper fencing, and the pigs are loose. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are breeding on the landscape. We've actually had some issues with that where we've had to go in and remove breeding pigs uh, that have turned feral because they're, they're, not, they're not enclosed. So, uh, but, yes, they can interbreed. And they will interbreed. Uh, they're all pigs, and that is that is definitely going to cause more problems and increase our populations. Another thing that I've heard about pigs before, and I don't know if this is true, so fact check me on this. But I think it's it is really interesting if it is true, is that they go feral quicker than pretty much any other species. So the the what I'm going to say is a rumor that I've heard is that if a pig, a captive pig, gets out and it starts living on the landscape as a wild pig that it'll start growing tusks, that its Mm -hmm. hair will start getting longer, that it'll basically go from a domestic-looking pig to within a few months having a completely different appearance to be more of a wild pig. Is that true at all? It's it's not really. Over time, the the, uh, offspring will develop traits due to environmental conditions and different hormones uh, Mm -hmm. reacting with those environmental conditions. Their legs will get longer. Their hair will grow out. Now, the tusks, every pig has tusks, and most people just clip them. Okay. So, so the tusks will grow. Will grow. And, um, but generally speaking, it does take a few generations to see those uh, physical changes okay. due to the environmental conditions and the stresses of different hormones. That makes more sense yeah. than, than the picture I had in my head. Because I was thinking it was like, okay, they escaped. They're in the wild. It's like flipping a switch, and all of a sudden they yeah. started transforming. So you, I've, your I've domestic pigs to me are like... Uh, somebody that hangs out on the couch and watches tv all night while your wild pigs are like your athletes uh-huh. so they have different uh different looks about them and different uh that is physiological cool, though, how they can, you know just over a few it, it, they're a, a, i said it's cool i mean it's not a good cool but it is kind of fascinating how how they could adapt quickly like exactly that. just one or two generation of offspring and you almost have a completely different looking you know, it's the same species, but it just has a completely yeah. different. It's like they evolve quickly. Yeah. You know, evolution takes place over breeding and generations and generations to adapt to, you know, whatever the conditions are. But it's like pigs have sped that up. Oh, exactly. And, and so, our pigs in different populations look really different. In eastern Kentucky, we've had some pigs that that look like they're almost pure Eurasian wild boar. Mm-hmm. And then we've had pigs on the other end of the state that look more like your average farm pig. And then we have a whole mix of we'll have wild pigs that have striped piglets, and striped piglets is indicative of that Eurasian wild boar ancestry. Hmm. And in the same litter, we'll have a piglet that's white with black spots or red with black spots. Or so it's it's really the variety is really interesting. You talked about in this part of Kentucky we've seen this, and in this part of Kentucky we've seen this. So in a nutshell, kind of where are they? Where have they been in Kentucky? Like you know, just generally speaking. Yeah. And, and how has that changed over time? Like, how do they get here in the first place? Where do they pop up? And mm-hmm. and kind of how do those populations develop and what's happened with them and things okay. like that? Because I'm curious yeah. about that. We have several small isolated pockets of pigs in Kentucky. And that uh, that uh, the fact that they're spread out through Kentucky uh, shows that these pigs did not walk to these locations. It's, it's evidence mm-hmm. that they've been trucked in and released illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have all these small isolated pockets that... Um, we've had, we've gone from maybe five or six populations to right now we have about three populations Mm -hmm. and all of our populations, Mm -hmm. most of our populations are 90% eradicated now. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a couple that we're still working on, um, but most of the pig populations right now are very low, Uh, but that could change. We have misguided hunters that want to create these hunting opportunities because pig hunting's fun. They'll bring pigs in. Would you say TV shows have some I yeah. Know, people yeah. watching hog hunting on TV? But I think that would be fun. And then they release them in an effort yes. to provide another hunting opportunity. Exactly. And then they don't realize that they've just run their deer and turkey hunting opportunities yeah. because pigs outcompete deer and turkey. Like and deer and turkey are going to scatter. They show up, deer and turkey flee. Correct? Yes. Yes. You can kind of get a misguided opinion by 
looking at something on YouTube or TV. You know, like everybody sees, well, not mm-hmm. everybody, but you see the videos from Texas where they're down there, you know, set up with night vision or thermals and, every, you know, it, it looks like a blast. But what you don't realize when you're watching them have that good time is that the reason they're having that good time is because that farmer's having a really bad one. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like they're, yes. they don't present, well, I guess some videos probably present like as a justification, hey, this is why we're doing yeah. it. But most of those things are made to look fun and, and exciting, and you know to they get you to go down there to you know, yeah. they want, spend, yeah, they, they, spend a couple of grand. And they want some money. Texas yeah. has a million pigs, so their goals oh, wow. are very different than our goals. Our goals are full eradication using scientific adaptive management pr- practices with uh, proven tools. Texas, they cannot eradicate their pigs. Mm-hmm. So their goals are to minimize agriculture damage as much as they can by any means necessary. So anybody, you know, that shoots or hunts or removes a pig, or even if you scatter them and get them off your property, you save your crops. So so um, we, we, we are lucky that we uh, have caught this problem much earlier. Mm-hmm. And so, a million pigs in Kentucky, it would be. Well, we're not as big as Texas. It'd probably only take two hundred thousand. I would have to go to the house. I would not be able to be work like, here if we be had no deer, no turkey. You know, yeah, you know. yeah. So it, it it would definitely be a problem. But we we do have the opportunity to fully eradicate pigs here in Kentucky. We've got an excellent partnership with USDA Wildlife Services. They have trappers uh, stationed in each of our populations, ready to go, and they've they've been key to our success let me ask you a couple quick this is so you said we have the the uh, would you say the option or the ability or like it's something that's attainable to full eradication Uh, full eradication is obtainable in kentucky so i want to know so you know in your position being the wild pig biologist you're looking at that goal right Mm -hmm. so how attainable is it and then second of all if that is attained are you still going to be employed here? (laughs) There's plenty for, there's always going to be plenty for us to do. We're always going to have to keep our, uh, keep our eyes open Mm -hmm. to emerging populations. Um, but yeah, so we, we have a, uh, USDA wildlife services has a national feral swine damage management program that Mm -hmm. basically ranks all the states in the U S on the level of pigs. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, last year were reduced from a level three to a level two. What's three out of five or three out of 10 or, uh, three out of five and level three is 10,000 to a hundred thousand pigs in the state. Mm -hmm. And level two is a thousand to 10,000 pigs in the state. Yeah. And so we are, we believe, we're closer to having the one to two thousand wild pigs in the state um but so we we have achieved this uh really important goal here in kentucky Which is we're getting downgraded instead yeah, of going the opposite direction yeah, exactly how have, the right how have we done that we've done that uh through a partnership with usda wildlife services mm-hmm. and we use uh proven scientific methods we use traps that capture the whole sounder Mm -hmm. and we don't want to trap half a sounder and leave those pigs on the outside of the trap that have just been educated Mm -hmm. to uh never going to trap again and so if we catch half a sounder you the remaining pigs will leave the area Mm -hmm. they will scatter we won't be able to find them again and by the time we put enough effort to find them in again they've had another litter of piglets so you're actually yeah one step forward two steps yeah exactly so our tools are uh we use these remote operated traps we first we bait and we put cameras up and we learn how many pigs are in that sounder how many pigs are in that area if we've got 20 pigs in a sounder we are going to set a trap we're going to wait till 20 pigs walk in that trap mm-hmm. we're going to watch them from the comfort i'll sit on the couch at home watch them we'll shut the door when those pigs are in mm-hmm. and then we'll go remove them um, but th- that way we haven't educated any pigs we've removed the whole problem from the area and that's worked very well and that's basically what all all the states do we've all been able to use technology to help us fight this fight. Now, the females are the most important. Yes, correct? we preferentially remove females. We preferentially remove those sounders. Uh-huh. So um, it's very costly to remove one male. You've put all this work into a trap and everything to remove one male. Um, the males really don't matter. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I kind of hate saying that, but in, in all wildlife, it seems like the males really aren't that important because they're just yeah. one. And, and oftentimes they're with the sounders. They're hanging yeah. out with those females. Um, and so we can catch them. But anytime you see a, a pig on the outskirts of that trap, sometimes it's more than often going to be that male. They're a little bit warier. Than that happened to, uh, not us, I wasn't there, but when Kentucky Field went with you, 
on one of these, you know, trapping efforts. Because that's how it worked in the past with Kentucky Field. I remember, even though I wasn't on the shoot, I remember being on call. And basically, our guys were waiting on a text from you saying, hey, we just dropped the gate. Yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of like an all-hands-on-deck. Okay, go to the office, get the gear, get the truck, meet them here, and go out there and get this done. And it was over the course of several days because you felt confident. You'd been watching the cameras. You knew they were coming into the area, but you just weren't getting every one of them in the trap. So yes. we knew it was just a matter of any day now, they're all going to be in the trap, mm-hmm. and that gate's going to drop, and we're going to go. But I think that when you all got to location, there was a male outside of the of the trap. Oh, you had all the females trapped in, 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 you know, within the trap, and there was a male that was going around the outskirts of the trap. Yes. And and he, I think, got dispatched as well, but he, you didn't worry about him being in there to drop the gate. You wanted the females, and then yeah. it just so happened that you got lucky. He didn't want to leave the area, didn't want to leave yes, the females. Yes, we did so. get lucky, and we're able to remove him, too. But, yeah, generally speaking, I mean, our goal is to get all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if we miss a male, that's... Uh, you know, that's something we can work with. Yeah, because um, so the male's not going to yeah, have any more by himself. So Exactly. And so um, we we had a population in Henry County, and that's where that was, Henry County, Kentucky, mm-hmm. in central Kentucky, um, that we removed the last sounder uh, September 2019. Mm-hmm. And since then, we've done a lot of monitoring, a lot of cameras, a lot of media attention, news articles, asking people, let us know if you see any more. So for the last three years, we've really... Um, taken a lot of time to monitor and we have not found any more females we've got a couple males left mm-hmm. on the um on the area and that we're tracking and trying to trying to get them in a trap um but we had an issue with some domestic pigs uh that were running loose in that area mm-hmm. and we were really concerned that they were going to interbreed with these males and start that population yeah they were free ranging they didn't really have an adequate fence and neighbors were complaining and they were causing some problems. Um, so luckily, um, our conservation officer, uh, who was wonderful, uh, ended up working with the owner of the pigs to uh, get them contained, to get them off the landscape before we ended up with, you know, we put a lot of work into that population. Mm-hmm. We removed 600 pigs in five years. It was a lot of work. Wow, and, from Henry County? Yeah. And wow. We did, yeah. And we, we were really worried that these pigs were going to, you know, caused the problem all over again that so 605 years that is a, that's a significant bunch yeah and that's uh you know it's kind of that's tougher than it seems i would think because yeah. of how they reproduce so you never had 600 at one point in time that you had to remove but you know like i feel like you were probably chipping away at almost you know, i'm yes. just gonna make up numbers but it's like half the population this year and then half the population next year yeah. but those two halves don't equal the whole because at this point it's yeah, gotten big you know they're so. constantly yeah basically they talk about you have to remove 60 to 70 percent of the population every year to see a a decline and so that's really hard work and uh we had an excellent team mm-hmm. and um we, we put a lot of work into it so i'm really proud of that uh proud of that team and what we were able to accomplish so henry county is kind of a success story um, it is. so far we've got a couple of males left and and that's not necessarily a forever success story because some farmer or somebody could reintroduce and that could be an issue and that's what we don't want at all yeah are there consequences for some for say a, i'm sure are there consequences for somebody if they did do that yes um we do have a statute krs 150.186 that uh makes it illegal to release wild pigs into the wild. It actually makes it illegal to release any pig into the wild. Accidental escape of livestock is exempt. So if your pigs accidentally get out, mm-hmm. no big deal. We'll get, you know, put them up, fix your fence. You're not going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. But if you continually free range your pigs or you neglect to fix your fence, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's kind of a different issue. Um, we have a lot at stake here. So... Um, but yeah, we, we, we definitely aren't, aren't going to, uh, cite someone for, um, you know, accidental escape, but we do, it's hard to catch too. When you have somebody bringing pigs in, in the middle of the night to dump Mm -hmm. them for hunting opportunities and they're bringing them in, in a covered trailer from Georgia or Alabama, Louisiana, uh, Texas, you you Mm -hmm. dump them and, uh, it's hard to catch. It's kind of like, you know, somebody one time told me that if we were talking about, this is a topic for a different podcast. We were talking about like the Florida bass or the Alabama mm-hmm. bass, one of those bass species that people think is a good idea to introduce here in Kentucky. And somebody 
speaking of that, one of our fisheries guys said at some point in time, somebody thought Asian carp were a good idea, and somebody thought gizzard chad were a good idea, and somebody mm-hmm. thought kutsu was a good idea, and somebody mm-hmm. thought honeysuckle was a good idea. You know, at some point in time, all these things were good ideas, and now mm-hmm. they've just kind of blown up out of control, and wild pigs are the same thing. Somebody has a good idea they think you know and then it turns into a big problem so i'm sure there's outreach and education being done on the the agriculture side of it too you said we're working with usda and i'm sure the kentucky division of agriculture yes we are working with kentucky department of agriculture as well they're part of our kentucky wild pig eradication task force so we we have a bunch of players in there that um, meet meet and work out some of these issues and just basically uh, our support and our eradication efforts. So we have a lot of support. So I'm guessing agriculture handles a lot of the communication to farmers about wild pigs. I'm sure we do too, but it seems like that's kind of their realm. Our realm is the sportsmen and women. So we communicate towards hunters. What's the, what's the main communication that we have? You know, it's fall hunting yeah. right around the corner. Archery season starts Saturday. We got dove and squirrel. So we our masses of, of our constituents oh, are about yeah. to be about to be headed to the woods. So what do we tell them? Yeah, so uh, we actually have some publications for farmers and hunters okay. uh, that we like to give out. Just, just Yeah, um, you can see them both. Here they are. So here's farmer um, and hunter. But yeah, just basically asking people to contact us. And of course, they can contact the Department of Ag as well. And But they usually just send it to us uh, because we handle, uh, we handle removal, whether it's crops damage or forage damage or, you know, so we'll handle that removal. So... Um, we do have some publications. We have a new website. Uh, if you just go to our website, fw.ky.gov uh, slash wildpigs, that'll take you to our new website. It has a reporting tool on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, what we're telling hunters is, hunters, um, we've got tons of trail cams during deer season out on the landscape. Oh, yeah. So we ask people, if you see a pig on your trail cam, to please send us that picture, and you can go to that report button. Uh, it'll send an email directly to me. Uh, so we basically, I have 20 or so, 30 cameras, uh, but, but I, we're talking thousands are out mm-hmm. on the landscape. Oh, so yeah. basically asking our hunters to be citizen scientists and let us know where the pigs are. Mm-hmm. Send us the pictures, or send us the coordinates or an address uh, so we can get them removed. Okay. And so, so if a landowner or a hunter, a farmer or a hunter says, okay, and, you know, I checked out that wild pig page on the website you were talking about earlier. It gave you ways to identify the sign. You can see tree rubs. You can see what a yes. wall looks like. You can see how the tracks are different. Mud on tree tracks. bark. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of resources to identify the pig sign. Let's say you, you think you see something on your property. Okay, this kind of looks like pig sign to me. Get on there and, and double check that. Give you a call. Yes. And then what happens from there? Okay, so usually uh, we will uh, communicate to try to get a field visit. And if we find sign, uh, we will set a camera mm-hmm. and some bait out and uh, try to get those pigs to come to that bait on camera. Mm-hmm. And then we can evaluate how many pigs do we have, and we can get them accustomed to bait and then start building a trap to trap yeah. and remove them. Does the trap get, when we've gone out with other biologists and we're trying to catch ducks, for instance, the trap goes in incrementally. So the bait goes first. And then bait a, goes first. a week later, we put we lay the net out. And then, you know, a week later, they put the, the slides for the rockets out. And then a week later, they yep. put in the T-post. And yep. So it's like a slow progression to get these animals used to each step. Yeah. So we can set the whole trap usually on the first time, but we leave the trap door open. Yeah. And we move the pig to the inside of the trap and leave a trail. And they'll often go right into that trap. But we wait. We wait to get them comfortable going in the trap. Sometimes if you have extremely trap shy pigs that have... Uh, are not going in a trap, we may set one to two panels and then come back. But I've found that uh, they're going to, if they smell a human, they're going to leave anyway. So it's best to get in there, get it set up, and get out of there. Uh, We do have a new net-type trap called the pig brig that I haven't got to use yet, but Wildlife Services is using them regularly. How's that working? It is. No, it's a net that's set up, and it's raised up where the pigs can get under it Mm -hmm. to get the bait. It may rub their back, depending on how tall they are as they walk under it. They get accustomed to going under it, and a few days later, we lower that net where they have to lift the net up with their nose, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll go in. And once they get in, they can lift the net from the outside. They can't lift the net to get back out. So it's so. one that you don't even have to 
to manually. Yeah. I don't have to close the door on yeah, this Yeah, they one. do it themselves. They do it themselves. And you, if you get pigs in there and they can't get out, other pigs can continue to keep going. Yeah, out. and um, we used to use these saloon-type doors that pigs would have to push in, and studies showed they didn't really work. The pigs were not pushing in. But for some reason, they're more comfortable pushing under this net, well, and they are going in. Yes, uh, so they are going in these nets, and uh, once they're in, they can't get out. So um, as long as you put enough bait in there to keep them comfortable uh, until you can get there, uh, they won't get upset. They'll just eat and hang out and not even realize that they can't get out. So. What do you use for bait? We usually use corn. So, yeah. And in, in, in different times of the year, corn doesn't work. If we're competing with corn crops or acorns or all the spring vegetation, it's hard to get them on bait. So the best time is when their food source is depleted in the mm-hmm. winter uh, or early spring. Uh, that's the best time to trap. And, and then that causes problems because we don't want to interfere with deer hunters while they're out hunting or turkey mm-hmm. hunters. So we... Um, we just have to, we work around that. We don't want to mess up hunting opportunities. People wait all year to hunt. Mm-hmm. So we just, um, we wait till the season closes or we work with people that, you know, we can work on another property. These pigs are go crossing several properties. Mm-hmm. So if you're hunting and your neighbor isn't, we could maybe pull those pigs over there. So this is, uh, sure, I'm sure, a question. I, I could see somebody being hesitant to call. I hadn't thought about this before until you mentioned that. But I could see someone being hesitant to call because they think, oh, if I tell them that there might be pigs out here they're going to come out here and just i'm not you know they think they're going to lose control of their property or they're not going to be able to do what they want the department's going to come out and they're going to do what this and that but you're telling me that you work with landowners you work with farmers you work with hunters to address their needs and what they want for their property yes. we kind of work around oh yeah i mean it's their property we're not yeah. going to do anything that they won't let us and mm-hmm. um Basically, we're offering free trapping services, mm-hmm. uh, get rid of your problem, but we, we don't want to interfere with hunting. I'm, I mean, I'm a deer hunter. I love to hunt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you wait all year for that. You don't want um, somebody Man. coming in and messing that <laughs> with up a with a trap, you <laughs> well, know. This buck I've been looking at. Yeah. So, put a trap in the middle. <laughs> yeah. That's so we, we definitely don't want to do that. So it's, it's all about what we can do to help the landowner and without impacting any of their recreational activities. Terry, one of the things, too, is uh, Tim Farmer went on a, a, a hunt a long time ago, and, and he got the meat. And I've heard this from a lot of people. That let's talk about the, the, the relative lack of food value in a wild hog that, that he was really disappointed. They're kind of nasty, correct? And, and they're like a wild animal. You have to cook them properly. Uh, like I said, they do carry some diseases and parasites, so you need to cook them to 170, and then, then it's safe to eat after that. But um, a lot of people do want the meat. Once I, I feel like um, if they've damaged your property and I kill them, you can have the meat. It's mm-hmm. the least we can do is just give it to you. And a lot of people do want it and do eat it. Um, but you have to cook it more like wild game. It's not like you're, they don't have as much fat. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they're not like your fat hog you're going to buy from the grocery right. store. It's totally different. Honey baked ham versus wild hog. I think I'll go for the honey baked ham. I would too. <laughs> you know, I eat. A, I feel like I eat a lot of things from the wild, more more than most people as far as like, you know, the... You know, go out and forage plants or deer. I love deer, but I don't have a whole lot of interest in eating wild hog. To be honest with yeah. you, kind a of lot like, of people do, and they they t- they they say it tastes wonderful, but uh, I've heard they the have proper cooking techniques. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the benefits of pork is that fat. You know, yeah. that's what mm-hmm. makes it cook up the way it does. People, I don't know if people realize that or not, but one of the reasons wild game's harder to cook is is because it's so lean. It's lean yes. And that fat is an insulator. So that fat's mixed in with the muscle tissue, and that makes it cook more evenly. So mm-hmm. you're more likely to burn wild game or mm-hmm. to, to overcook it. Or make it, it dry. Because yeah. you don't have an insulator in there. So I don't know. I just don't think I have a lot. Of, I'm looking at this pig on this picture right here, and I just don't have a lot of interest <laughs> in eating it. I know. But I look at a delicious ham sandwich. I'm very <laughs> interested in eating that. <laughs> You're making me hungry. I'll stick with my, I'll stick with my venison. So mm-hmm. essentially, do you think anybody in the state has trapped more pigs than you? Probably no. I mean, 600 out of Henry County. Um, wildlife services, I think each trapper... Um, in the area has trapped more individually than I have, mm-hmm. but as a team, yeah. um, I would say 600 is a pretty pretty big population. Now we have a couple of populations in Western Kentucky that they're trapping that many. 
Uh, but uh, Henry Henry County is uh, that was a lot of pigs. So essentially, with this service that they were talking about, if if somebody hope they don't, but if they do think they have pigs on their property, the service that you're talking about providing to them is to have somebody come out and set traps on their property for free that's going to be providing the corn the bait for the traps uh, putting the cameras up monitoring those traps 24 7 with cell cameras and then coming out and removing those pigs they're going to be tested for diseases because i've seen you all pull the samples before so they're going to be disease tested and i'm sure that info can probably be available to the landowner i I don't think it is uh just because all these go to the national uh feral swan damage management program and those they don't keep track of individual okay so they're looking at trends yeah they they will know what county it's from and they will know you know basically who the trapper was but they're look yeah well they 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 also have the option to have the meat is what you're saying yes definitely and that's going to and if they go through this process and then take advantage of that service, then they've gotten free trapping. They've gotten the meat from it if they want to. And they also have better hunting or better agriculture on yeah. their property. So it's like a win, 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 yeah. win. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see why somebody wouldn't want to do it. And I guess the opposition, the pushback you get from people is that why? Well, the message that I've seen put out there is report, don't shoot. Exactly. So I guess that, since that's what we're trying to communicate to people that's more your hang-up than getting people to allow us to come out and trap it. It's to getting people to stop yes. shooting. Yes. Yeah, so if you're going to uh, – I'm not going to set a trap on a property mm-hmm. if you're shooting at the pigs because it's not it's wasting my time. Mm-hmm. You're shooting at them and scaring them off and then asking me to trap them. So, so I basically do need a commitment from the landowner that if if you want me to trap, you need to let me mm-hmm. let me use that tool and not shoot at them, even if you see them. You know, let's trap them and get the whole sounder. If you shoot at them, they're going to run off, and yeah. then I won't be able to find them. So, and so they'll breed while they're. Oh yeah. That reminds me of something else, real quick. Side story: You'll get people on, you know, like social media. Somebody has a farm, and they got a coyote coming up in there and messing with their livestock, right? So they'll put out on Facebook or something: Hey, I got a coyote. I need somebody to come hunt it. And of course, everybody who likes to coyote hunt gets excited and jumps at the bit and contacts that farmer. I've done that before too. And um, I'll start talking to the farmer about, all right, I'll come out on this day. You know, everything looks good. And then I'll get out there and he'll tell me, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so was out here yesterday and he didn't get them. And three days before that, you know, Mm -hmm. so-and-so came out and hunted them. And at that point in time, I'm like, well, I'm just going to get back in my truck and go because these coyotes aren't going to be huntable because mm-hmm. they've been called to and they've probably winded people and they know that they know the game now. So we aren't going to be able to hunt them. So people who don't understand how these animals work as far as learning and that you can by thinking you're doing something good, you can actually be be hurting your chances. You know, your best bet if you're if you have a coyote problem is to talk to one coyote hunter and get that one coyote hunter mm-hmm. who, who knows what they're doing to come out there. And instead of having too many hands in the cookie jar, you know, mm-hmm. things. But that's yeah. the same thing with pigs, it sounds like, is yeah. that you need to have a little bit more control over the situation than it just being a free-for-all and people exactly. shooting at them and people doing this. Exactly. And, yeah. So having yeah. – it's it's really – it's almost like when you coyote hunt, it's almost like uh, – I don't want to call it a game. It's like you, you're trying to outsmart this smart animal. You know, you're trying to get it to do what you need it to do. And that's the same thing here. And yeah. it just becomes mm-hmm. much, much more difficult if you have, you know, other hunters or other people out there basically reading a textbook to them about how this is going to work, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. No uh, doubt. They just learn learn the game, and it becomes much more difficult. So you do not want people to to shoot because that's just going to scatter the group. It's going to make your job much harder, if not impossible. And the yes. will also dispose, yes. correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we're shooting into a sounder mm-hmm. scatters them. And it could break that sounder if they could go in three different directions. And now I'm looking for three sounders, not one. Mm-hmm. And uh, That's like, wild that they're all female-related. A lot of wildlife species do that. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's a, it's a they all work together, all help each other. So family stays together. Is there a situation where a hunter could shoot a pig if you saw it? Yeah, there he is. There's, I mean, if you see a single wild pig on the landscape... Um, and you know there's no others there. Yeah. You so can shoot it and remove it. So if I was hunting a farm, you know, let's just say here in Franklin County, and I've never seen a pig, never seen a sign of a pig, and I'm in my deer stand on the opening morning of rifle season, and there walks a, a lone pig through a field. Like, you know, shoot, I can I could shoot that pig without feeling like I'm doing something horrible. You know, without yeah. sc- I'm not scattering a group at that point. I'm not. Yes. Chances are that's not even a female, right? 
probably so. It's, it's probably alone. a male since it's alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's that's not a problem. Uh, we would ask you to let us know that way. Hey, we know that to be watching that area, mm-hmm. we keep we keep a database of all these reports, so we can recognize if hey, uh, five or ten pigs have shown up in Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. You know and that we might have an illegal release issue going mm-hmm. on. So we need to we we do ask people. Hey, let us know. But yeah, if you see one pig mm-hmm. on the landscape and and you want to shoot it, that's fine. But shooting into a group causes problems. Okay, and and if you see some of that sign like we have on our website, people can look at. If you see you know wallows and if you see a bunch of rubs on trees, tracks all over the place, that's not a lone male. That's that's a that's a sounder. That's a yeah. group of females, and that's you definitely need to call that. Yes. Point, right? Yes. Okay. And now one one pig can do a lot of damage, but generally speaking, you're going to see um, you're going to see some massive rooting. Uh, wallows are are something that in the summer pigs will create these wallows, these little wet areas that mm-hmm. hold water, so they can roll around in them, get cool, remove parasites. Remove so in biting so, insects and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and they uh, they're pretty. Um, they're they're pretty important, so they will visit those often every day. And they rub on trees to remove the parasite, correct? And yeah. That's when you see the mud on the bark. Yeah. About twelve to eighteen you know. inches up the tree, you'll see a mud rub. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you you know is pig. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes the rooting could be another animal. Sometimes the crop damage could be another animal. But when you see a wallow and a mud rub, you're 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 going to know that's pigs. When you run trail cameras as much as you do, you see some stuff. What, what? Give me an idea of something that you've caught on trail camera in one of the traps. You ever got like a black bear in, in a trap or anything Yes, like that? we've had in, in in southeastern Kentucky, we've had black bears come and just sleep in our corn pile. I can see so, that. I can see yeah, that. that's a problem. Uh, most of the areas we trap, uh, we don't have a lot of black bears. We're lucky there. Um, um Deer, deer can walk in and out of the trap or even jump over it. They're not, they're not, mm-hmm. nothing's ever trapped but the pigs. Because they, because um, obviously a turkey goes in there to eat that corn, it can fly out. Yeah. If a deer goes in there to eat that corn, it can, yeah. it can jump out. Yeah, it's an open top. So, yeah. I mean, and sometimes we've had a couple of pigs tr- climb over it. Uh, and that's why they're round. If they're they have corners, if it was a square trap, the pig could use those corners to climb out. Oh, smart. Uh, mm. But yeah. <laughs> smart. Yeah. I've they'll climb up on their buddy's back and they'll be gone. Have so. you seen Sasquatch? <laughs> no, I've seen bobcats. I've seen <laughs> rabbits. I've seen all kinds of birds and owls, coyotes, of course. Um, a lot of turkey and deer. Do you ever get follow up with landowners who you've gone out and trapped on? Do they ever give you feedback or any anything like that after the effort's done? Yeah, I know that the farmers in Henry County were super excited and. One of them, the one we interviewed on Kentucky Field, said, I didn't believe you when you told me you were going to take care of this problem. He said, I did not believe you. Hmm. And he's very happy that we were actually able to, to help him. So well, he's so. tickled to death. And uh, But, yeah, and he, he actually is a huge advocate for us, and he will call and talk his friends into letting us trap. And mm-hmm. he was he was somebody that, uh, you know, one of the problems is is, these USDA trappers can trap all day long, but if nobody calls us and tells us where the pigs are, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I've done some of the media work. I've been going around to the country stores or going and talking to people, hey, do you have pigs? And, mm-hmm. and once you develop a relationship with the people in that county, then they call you. Mm-hmm. They say, hey, my friend Jim saw pigs. And, mm-hmm. and then they'll give me, they'll call Jim right there while I'm staying and talk to her, and then we're on a new farm. Good. So. That's been really helpful. Without the public mm-hmm. participating and letting us know where these pigs are, we would not be successful. So yeah. that's one of the most important parts of it to me. That's something we talked about on the last podcast with Cody Roden is the fact that 94, 95% of the state's privately owned. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, if these pigs were just on WMAs, it wouldn't be that hard for us to go out there and, and find them ourselves. But we do rely on the, the public because, yes. you know, they're the ones who own the land. And yes. we're trying to manage the resources across the landscape for everybody's benefit right yes and the the sportsmen and women the farmers the landowners they're a key part in that because technically 95 percent of the state is owned by them yeah. so you know it's a, definitely a partnership there what do you got lee well she uh the one thing i was want to talk about was the food value a food uh, value uh, of the of those, well the, the lack thereof do you, so this is something i've never i've told you I, I can look at that thing right there and I don't have any interest in it, but what is the, because you always look at wild game, right? Super nutritious. Elk, yeah. venison, some of the best things you can eat. Mm-hmm. So what about pigs? So, well, 
Bah. <laughs> a, a lot of people look at the big nasty looking pig and don't want to eat it but well if there's uh, visible parasites in the meat and that that can happen correct possibly yes uh, i've heard of stories of that people paid money kill one i would say like, yeah Ugh. the majority of pigs are not going to be seen from the naked eye um you know you're just not going to see them but um you know, domestic pigs are uh, free of disease. We have we have certification in in Kentucky. They're pseudo rabies free certification. They're swine brucellosis free certification, and that's one of the problems. If if we have a wild pig transmit one of these diseases to our domestic pigs, we could shut our pork industry down. Mm-hmm. I mean, we lose our certification, our pork industry. You know, our pork producers, they're going to be hurt. I'm from Nelson County. So, that's a big pork area. Yeah. So, so that's one of the very important things we really haven't talked about is we need to get rid of these pigs so they don't transmit these diseases to domestic pigs. Uh, but, yeah, um, I'd say they're just as nutritious as any, any other wild game. Uh, but, like I said, you have to cook them right. And uh, they do not taste like a domestic pig, so people are often surprised at that. Yeah, they, well, that they, I think that's most people. And you have to, this, you know, that, exactly. Like, you have to cook them well enough to where it kills the parasites, but then but you don't want to cook them fat, too yeah. well to where they're dried out, and then you're, See, you I, know. I cook my deer to like 135. If I'm cooking, you know, steaks or backstrap or something, I don't go 165, 170. I oh, go yeah, I like uh, 125 to 135. 125 is a little. Cooked correctly is as good as filet, yeah. mm-hmm. I think. If yeah. For something that had parasites like that, I would have to go to 170, and I'd be using my meat thermometer to make sure I was. Yes. And at that point, it's not going to have enough fat. It's going to be probably dry. Yeah. I, don't, I feel like you'd have to, you know, have that thermometer in there and be watching it and pull pull the meat the second huh. it hit 170. Otherwise, you're going to end up with something that just was well, terrible. I don't know. The word parasite <laughs> and food, yeah. they're mutually exclusive. <laughs> I mean, pork's available. <laughs> you, want, you want some pork, you can go to the store and buy it. Know. You know, it's the same thing. We have animals that you can go get the meat of for, at a store, which is great, and then we have our wild animals, and this pig's like an overlap one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just go to the store and I buy your pork. I just kind of want to discourage people. Yeah. They're not, they're not that good. No, well, know. I mean, pork's good but you can go to the Money store much better you can go to the store and get pork that is parasite free and that you can that has enough fat on it to cook and be tasty, tasty. you know why would you go with the one that has parasite and and isn't going to cook up well when and you can go to the store is highly destructive <laughs> well. yeah yeah it's it's highly destructive and and the people like it and um they've learned how to cook it properly and do we and still have any around del hollow that's another thing. del hollow um we Del, Del Hollow came uh, about the in sometime in the 1970s. Pigs showed up at Del Hollow, and um, illegal release, illegal release, or um, crossing the border from Tennessee because oh. Tennessee had some illegal releases right across the border in that area, mm-hmm. and they just naturally expanded. Um, but yeah, and at first the department thought, well, we'll just have the hunters take care of it. That was what every that, state what at that point thought. People. Just hunt them. Uh, we we just didn't really um, we didn't really know much about pigs at that time. Most agencies just said hunt them. Uh, we just didn't know what a perfect invasive species they were. Uh, but yeah, we don't really have pigs there now. We Good. were we did eradicate that population. Uh, but yeah, as popularity grows, we are seeing pigs pop up in different areas. Uh, we had some in central Kentucky, south central Kentucky, pop up about three years ago. Uh, ten pigs just showed up, and they were Eurasian wild boar hybrids. And they just showed up, and we were able to quickly remove them. However, three of them did, three males did end up, uh, it was pretty close to the Tennessee border. They ended up going to Tennessee and approaching some female domestic swine in a fence, and the farmer was able to shoot them. But um, we were quickly able to stop that from becoming a population, but... Uh, luckily, somebody reported it very quickly, or we would have had another population. Well, that was one. That's good because yeah. when it comes to Del Hollow, I prefer smallmouth bass, no pigs. I grew up. <laughs> uh, I grew up camping at Del Hollow. Mm-hmm. We had a ski boat and grew up skiing and tubing and uh, camping at Del Hollow. And that's what made me want to be a biologist. Is boat being camp at yeah. It was great. Oh yeah, we would. Uh, I would be out there trying to catch snakes and. Uh, that's what made me become a biologist is the time I spent there out in the woods and on the lake. Chad Miles and I were fishing there one time, and the lake was unusually low. It was in 
winter. We were small mouth fishing. And we came around the back end of Lilydale. And I remember looking down going, those look like clams and rocks. <laughs> Dad cut it too quick. And I heard the motor change tune like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so He didn't realize it till a couple of trips later that, yeah, he had ruined his, uh, he had to get new seals on his lower unit. And did some oh, really? Damage oh. On it. <laughs> They have. <laughs> Usually, if you're in a boat and you're going fast and you can see the bottom, sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> so, the things I wanted to run through on pigs, I think we've got through most of them. Yeah. Um, I definitely wanted to. What? So, if somebody wants to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Um, go to our website, uh, fw.ky.gov/wildpigs, and there's a big red report button. And that they goes can click on that. That goes. That's. Uh, it'll say wild pigs spotted, mm-hmm. and it goes uh, directly to me. It's an email straight to me. Okay. Right. You, of course, you can call uh, eight. 100-858-1549 and mm-hmm. have them transfer to me mm-hmm. uh, or uh, but the report button is the easiest it goes email straight and to there's me. a lot of great information on there about pigs. yeah it, there really is about. we've got the history we've got physical characteristics we've got um, a lot of handouts and pamphlets on the damage and the disease information is there um, so yeah it's got a lot of information it's we just redid that about six or eight months ago and so it's about been checking it out it's well done. yeah we worked really hard on it there's a lot of good resources on the website and i would want to you know it's something you know pigs are a topic in kentucky it's not something that's on everybody's mind because they're not everywhere exactly. but you know if you're somebody who goes out in the woods a lot if you're somebody who loves hunting or fishing in kentucky it's something to educate yourself on so you can at least go browse that that page and get up to speed i mean listening to this podcast hopefully you've learned something mm-hmm. but i hope so the the website also extremely important right now and i and i'm not trying to cut today short but i do have a heart out so we've got to wrap it up here in just a moment or two oh. but I, and so i want to get to anything you have lee but well, i also I want got to, I just, mainly i wanted to talk about the lack yeah. of you know how good everybody's like oh they're tasty and they're, they're not no pork's tasty wild pigs <laughs> i haven't tried it not going to any baked ham yay wild pig <laughs> <laughs> but talking it's about the website talking about the website with fall hunting here i would i wanted to not jump off here without encouraging people to get up to date and check the rules and regs on any of the fall seasons they're getting ready to want to hunt oh and one last little thing too if you're going dove hunting this weekend the opening day's tomorrow make sure you get your hip survey completed before you hit the field that's one of the things so hip survey and if you're going to a public field i would definitely advise you get on the website and look at that public field and just read through the description and make sure that you have a plug in your shotgun, so you can only <laughs> own one in a magazine and two, or one in chamber, two in a magazine. Oh, yeah, um, be legal. So I, I, I firmly believe that if there's a single day of the year that you're most likely to get checked by a game warden, it's, it's opening day of death season. Tomorrow. It's yeah. tomorrow. So be uh, be up to speed and up to date on all that stuff. Some of the fields, the public fields, some of them are still shot only if they're near a river, if they're near a neighborhood. So I would, before heading to a public field, just make sure, it, or it's not steel, but it's non-toxic. And if you've bought a new shotgun, you're checking out, just make sure that plug's in. Sometimes they don't put them in there but at the factory. Just make sure you have that plug in there. I've seen a lot of people, oh, I thought I had the plug in, and they get a ticket. And once again, video resources, uh, you can go to YouTube and probably type in Kentucky Field Pig and see yes. Terry here working. I think we've done two videos with you. We have. One of them, um, John Hast was on hand, and it was with Ega, our old state veterinarian. Yes. And that was a good video. And then we did a new updated one, and I think it was in September of 2019 in Henry County, that last sounder that you yes, were talking about. Yes, we filmed the removal of that last sounder. And that's, so. that's online, and that's the one where we had somebody from USDA out. And, exactly, and Dax Lane. So yeah. th- both of those videos are available on our YouTube if somebody wanted to get on there and learn a little bit more about it because there's a little bit different information covered and you can see the process. You can see the trap set. You can see the trail camera videos or, or photos and you can see the workup after they're caught and kind of what's how it's handled from there. So I would encourage people to check those out too and to go to the website, check out fw.ky.gov front slash wild pigs. Yes. Or you can just go to the website and you can probably type pigs. Yes, type in wild pigs pigs on the the search search bar bar and you'll get it. All right, yeah. guys. But thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah. I appreciate well, it. I appreciate the job you're doing. I apologize thank for you. having We're happy. To, yeah, I apologize for having to cut it a little short today. I had a, a hard out, but I wanted to make sure we got all that, and I appreciate you stopping by for sure. And um, if there's anything else, we, if, you know, I'd be interested in doing some more with the show. Um, 
with wild pigs. That would as well. be wonderful. We need all the exposure we can get because you know we need to convince the public to let us know when they see pigs, and or we're not going to be successful. Well, it's the right route to go. So, so it shouldn't be a hard sell. You just got to get the information in front of them and kind of teach them. You know, no doubt. What do you got here? Oh, a, a, a door hanger. Yeah. So do you? Okay, and you go to high traffic area or areas you think they might be an issue and kind of put yeah, the sound on door. Yeah, I uh, do. If I if I hear uh, some somebody say there's pigs in the area. And we'll go out on the property, but sometimes we'll hang door hangers on all the neighboring properties and say, so that way they have our phone number and they know we're in the area looking. So this is kind of a rundown. I like the info, info that's on this. Um, it gives you basically a need for concern, the problem for wildlife, problem for agriculture, disease threat, reproductive potential, report don't shoot, and release of wild pigs is illegal. So it kind of runs yeah. through a lot of the same stuff we just talked about. Exactly. That yeah, that's our main message. and. Uh, everything's uh, on that little handout, short and sweet. So, awesome. Uh, but if anybody has any additional questions, they can always call me. I might hold on to these if you don't you mind. You can have them. I have plenty. All right. I appreciate it, Terry. Thank you, okay. Lee. All right, man. Thank you.